Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again, and I have another one of these Best of Redditor update stories for you. This one is called, My Husband-to-Be Wants Everyone to Know I'm Not Pure, with an update. This originally comes from Cat Owner Victim on Off My Chest, and is actually one that we heard about in the news, so we had to hunt down because we wanted to talk about it, you know? We gotta talk about it. We gotta talk about it! It's exactly what the title says. I've been with my fiancé for six years and engaged for the past eight months. I've been doing most of the wedding planning, but my fiancé, let's just call him Ryan, will give his input here and there. So about a month ago, Ryan out of nowhere said he was talking to some of his co-workers and thinks that I shouldn't wear a white dress. This was totally weird to me. Ryan is a very artistic guy, so I figured this was more about how the photos would turn out or something along those lines, but I'm set on wearing white. I told him this, and I could see that he was annoyed, but he let it go. Two weeks ago, I finally picked up and paid for my dress, and this caused a huge argument. Ryan again came to me very annoyed. He asked to see the dress I picked, but I said no, because I wanted it to be a surprise for our wedding day. He asked me to at least tell him what color it was, and when I said white, he threw a fit. I honestly do not see why this was a big deal. Almost everyone wears white on their wedding day. When I asked him what color he thought I'd be wearing, he told me I should wear red. Again, this was super weird to me. I asked him why I would wear red to our wedding, and he told me that brides only wear white when they are pure. For some background, Ryan and I started dating when I was 21, and he just turned 20. He was a virgin when we met, and I only had one other person who was my ex-boyfriend of four years throughout high school. This caused a lot of problems the first year of our relationship, and we almost did not continue dating because of how insecure he felt. After that first year, it was never a problem again until now, I guess. He went to his mom about all of this thinking she would convince me, but she's on my side. So two nights ago, Ryan, his mom, and I stood in our living room and argued about my sex life being shown in a dress. His mom stated that he is no longer a virgin either, so maybe he should wear red too, and he burst out crying. Ryan is still stating that me wearing white would be deceiving all of the guests, and that is different for guys. Boy, you're gonna run me out of red flags here. This has honestly made me question even marrying this man. I don't know if it's just because everything is so fresh, but I'm really disgusted by him. He's not even religious, so I know this is just him still thinking about me losing my virginity at 18 before I even knew him. I just needed to rant to anyone about how psycho this is. And the reposter of this provides some more context. Most of the commenters are also baffled by Ryan's thought process and agree that this shows a high level of insecurity that can't be put aside. They say it feels like Ryan is still punishing original OP for having sex before meeting him, which is nonsensical. If this is how he views virginity, how will he treat any future daughters? Original OP is encouraged to break up with Ryan. Original OP does not comment. However, there's another post... Shortly after, 14 days later, that goes like this. What do I wear on my first date in six years? I'm in my late 20s and just broke off an engagement. This is going to be my first date in many, many years. We're going to a nice waterfront seafood restaurant in North Carolina. It's a beach, but also November, so I have no idea what would be appropriate. And commenters encouraged original OP to wear red. Okay, let's go back to the original story for a second here because I think the reposter here nails it. It's all about insecurity. I don't know why this came up after he was talking to coworkers. Is that how this originally happened? Yes, he said he was talking to some of his coworkers and thinks that she shouldn't wear a white dress. Either his coworkers were just trying to punk him or they knew, I don't know, there's no good reason for this. But the whole not wearing a white dress thing, I'm pretty sure faded out years and years ago. Let's do a quick check. White is traditional, but does not necessarily represent represent virginity. More often, it represents a new life. However, people can wear whatever they want as brides. 
So homeboy has this extremely old school way of thinking here, but really it's just insecurity. And if he's going to let this insecurity ruin his wedding, he's going to let it ruin his life. It sounds like you guys almost weren't together because of this in the first place. So homeboy needs to be more secure with himself. And the only way to do that is to, I think that only happens when you're alone and you can actually be comfortable being alone and be happy with yourself and not need someone else. I think only in that time can you overcome whatever insecurities that you have. It's really hard to do when you're with someone someone else because then you're just putting it all on them and that's too much stress for a relationship. So it sounds like she <laughs> she made the right play and got out of the red flag wedding dress here and was going on a date two weeks later. That's a little weird. Maybe it's not the same person. I don't know. But him asking her to wear a red dress is the most redonkulous wedding story that I've ever heard of. Aside from mother-in-laws and bridezillas and that kind of thing. Coming from the groom side, this was pretty gnarly. What would you all do if your betrothed asked you to wear a red dress? because you weren't a virgin to your wedding. Hello there, it's Dusty Thunder with another follower-submitted AITA story for you. This one goes like this. Am I the astronaut for not wanting to go back to work? I, 28 female, and my husband, 31 male, have recently come into some financial trouble. He works four tens with occasional weekend and overtime and makes decent money overall. We have four kids, 12 male, his bio, my bonus, seven male, four female, and three months female. Before our youngest was born, I'd been working three days a week at our local diner, pulling in enough tips to cover groceries, our daughter's preschool tuition, and some other odds and ends. His brother was living in our basement, and his small rent amount was enough to cover some of this, but he hadn't been paying, so I went back to work after being a stay-at-home mom for four years. I liked working and being able to contribute this way, but I was always exhausted and falling behind on housework over the weekend. I'm responsible for all of the cooking, cleaning, laundry, childcare, bringing the kids to school and picking them up, including my bonus son who goes to school half an hour away, caring for our pets, grocery shopping, etc. When I'd get home from work, the house would be in chaos and a million things would be asked of me immediately, as if my family had been storing them up, waiting for me to return. I'd get home between 2 and 3 p.m. The kids hadn't had breakfast. Husband typically didn't wake up until 11 or noon. And if they had lunch, it was a burnt frozen pizza. Nothing wrong with frozen pizza, but not feeding them anything else for lunch in three days in a row is frustrating in my opinion. My husband is a good dad. He's just the fun dad. He'll take the kids sledding and on four-wheeler rides, play video games or Nerf Wars with them, stuff I don't really do. But when it comes to actually taking care of their needs, he's at a loss. He's never bathed any of our children, could count the number of diapers he's done total on one hand, can't or rather won't make them an actual meal. To paint a picture, when I was in the hospital for four days after having our youngest, he was off work and home with them. He couldn't be bothered to wake up, so they missed school all that week. When they came to visit the day I was discharged, it was clear our daughter's hair hadn't been brushed one time. She has very thick curly hair that requires maintenance or it becomes unmanageable, and my son was in the same clothes I gave him the day I went in. After I'd been working a year and a half, our daughter, two and a half at the time, got out of the house without him knowing he was asleep. My work is literally a four-minute walk from my house. I was at work when the gas station across the street called the restaurant to ask if we had the number for the nearby campground because a small child had wandered over there. When I heard their description, I knew, dropped the phone and ran over there. Thank goodness she was fine, but anything could have happened. We live in a heavily wooded rural area area near a highway. I was petrified going to work every day after that. Recently, after being gone for a year, the brother has moved back into the basement with his girlfriend and is once again
once again, not paying money. He doesn't have a job or vehicle, so he's constantly using ours. With the world the way that it is as of late, me not working and no extra income from rent, we're struggling. Making it by, but struggling. My husband has been bringing up the prospect of getting a second job or me going back to work. The thought of going back to work, especially with a fully breastfed infant at home, has me terrified. My husband's a very heavy sleeper and lacks the ability to stay awake. As a parent, we know what it is to be exhausted, but physically can stay awake if we know we need to. He can't. He spends his days off mostly playing video games on the couch, during which he'll fall fast asleep and be nearly impossible to wake up. Just having him hold the baby for me while I make dinner or something, I have to peek around the corner to make sure he hasn't dozed off with her. He has once or twice. Going back to leaving him to care for the kids over the weekend just doesn't seem like a viable option. He's made several comments about how taking on a second job would wreck him physically, so I feel guilty for thinking that's the better option. I haven't voiced these concerns yet, nothing's been put into action, but if and when it's brought up again, what should I do? He's very sensitive about his status as a good dad and gets on the, oh sorry I'm such a piece of shit defense, without actually trying to talk through any of it when confronted with his shortcomings. I'm afraid to tell him I don't feel safe leaving the kids, especially the baby, alone with him for stretches that long, but I'm more afraid of our children being neglected or something terrible happening. So, am I the ass cannot for not wanting to go back to work and preferring my husband to get a second job if need be? You know something that I think is really interesting with follower submissions and AITA posts or any kind of story, period, is that as people are writing things out, I think they answer the majority of their own questions. And probably by the end of writing that, after they send it off, they're like, I feel like I have a better understanding of my situation now because actually writing it out forces you to say those things, forces you to identify all of the pieces that are in play here. And I think this OP did that. I think she's answered her own questions because what she said was she doesn't want to hurt him by saying or making him feel like he's a piece of shit dad, but she is more afraid of leaving the kids with him. And I think that's what it comes down to. Would you rather hurt his feelings or have something happen to the kids? And I think in this case, you know what the right decision is and you answered your own question here. I think how you approach that is the delicate thing. And maybe that's what you're really after here is the how do I approach this? How do I bring it up? And maybe you tell him what you told us because it makes it pretty irrefutable. If you say, look, I know that you love our kids. This is not about loving our kids. This is about where we're most effective as providers and caregivers. And if the situation is me getting a job, then here's what's going to happen while you're at home. And we know this is going to happen because it's happened time and time and time and time again. That's just not where your strengths are. Your strengths are being a provider and making money and you're good at that and you don't have problems doing that. So do that. You do have problems staying home. We have numerous problems and that makes working for me ineffective because I'm distracted the whole time. I'm trying to work because I'm worried about what's going on at home. I'm worried about hearing that one of our kids has snuck out of the house again. I'm worried about all of these things happening. Nothing is a win here. It's choosing the least amount of pain and the least amount of pain comes with him taking a second job because that doesn't involve the kids being put at risk. Not because he's a shitty dad. He loves his kids. You know that, but because of the risks associated with him falling asleep and not being able to actively care for them. That's it. If the two scenarios are you go back to work and he stays home with the kids or he takes on another job and you continue staying home with the kids, the least amount of risk is in you staying home with the kids. I think that's all there is to it. You have to delicately communicate that with him, but I think if you lead with, I know you love our kids and I know that you are a great dad, but as parents, we have different strengths. That's a good segue into here. 
here's what we're faced with and here's what's going to happen with option A and here's what's going to happen with option B. And I think this one has the least amount of impact on our children. And as parents, that's the one you have to go with because it's the least amount of risk put on your kids. It's kind of hard to argue with that because you have all of the events that have happened when he was home with the kids are supposed to be watching them to use as ammo here if you need to. And he knows these things unless he's just going to pretend like none of that happened. You don't have to go into it. You can simply say we know because of all of the things that have happened before. And that's it. If you even have to go there. I feel for you. This is a super delicate situation. And I know economically there are a lot of people in the same position here where we're all just trying to find ways to survive. And that's what it is right now is you're just you're trying to pivot to survive here. But which one of those provides the least amount of risk for your children? That has to be the winner. And that's all there is to it. If you have to choose between protecting your children and protecting his ego, it should be a pretty easy choice. Of course, commenters, let me know what you think here. There could be something that I'm missing. How do you think she should approach this conversation with her husband? What would you do in this situation? Have you run into something like this before? Let me hear it. Type it out, swipe it out, do whatever you do there, yeah? Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again, and I have an update for you from a story that we covered that was a follower submission, and it is the one with the love triangle. OP actually reached back out to us and said that after seeing our video and all of the comments, she wanted to answer some questions. So let's see what we got here. To answer some questions, we were great friends as well as just friends with benefits. The baby was an accident, but none of us would change her for the world. We were not in a relationship and there were no stipulations or anything. I developed bigger feelings for him just before our daughter was born. He has been there for me through some pretty rough times. He's my biggest supporter, but I knew my place in the situation. We had previously talked about what he would do if I decided to start dating again. Remember, I had just gotten out of a horrible marriage. He stated he would feel some sort of way, but ultimately he would have to deal with it. I didn't want him to get pissy and jealous because of my date, especially if it didn't work out. I realized that bit does make me the a-hole. The dates that I went on were to try to help myself get over him and maintain the way things were going for them. Like if I just stepped out of the triangle and found something that was completely mine, then everything would just be fine. Even if he didn't pick me, he'd still be my best friend and the father of my daughter. It was all in all a complex situation that's been going on for a while, but he did make a decision. I'm sure people will say there are red flags and he will do to me what he did to her. His biggest fear with being with me is that I'll leave him for someone younger, but he did choose me. The ex-fiance and I still have a good relationship and she is still going to be in our daughter's life and she is still his best friend. Also, they had apparently talked about separating before all of this, but for other reasons. My life is pretty much a telenovela. One of the important things that OP clarifies here is that they were not in a polyamorous relationship. Polyamorous relationships are whatever, you do you. I know there were some comments in the last video that because I didn't bring this out as a polyamorous possibility that people thought I was anti-polyamorous relationships, and I'm not. I don't care. You do you. If it brings you joy, cool. If you can navigate the situation, even better for you. But this is not the situation here. OP confirmed that they were not in a polyamorous situation and they were not in an official relationship. OP, thank you so much for reaching out and providing this update for us and everyone who had questions. I gotta say, I am surprised that he chose you just because you guys were just friends with benefits before. I get the best friend thing, but if he was romantically involved with his fiance and didn't have that kind of connection with you, I am surprised by that part. Good 
for you. I think that's great. I hope that you guys can foster that side of the relationship and that this isn't just a best friends with the kid kind of thing, which could work. That could totally work. And in most successful relationships, there is definitely a best friend element to it. But you needs the romance. You know what I mean? And beyond just the lusty stuff. Like, there's got to be love there, I think. Maybe I'm wrong. And let's start a new discussion here in comments about that. Can you survive in a relationship with lust and friendship? Do you need love? In OP, if you have real love in this relationship, please correct me there. But it sounds like it's still just your best friends who have a baby. Best friends with benefits and a baby. And yeah, your life pretty much is a telenovela. We're going to script this out and turn it into some kind of series. And remember, not a polyamorous relationship. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again, and I have yet another follower-submitted AITA story for you. This one goes like this. Am I the astronaut for telling my sister's husband that she has been trying to have a baby without telling him? She has been married to her husband for six years. He has never wanted to have kids and made it clear before they got serious and again before they got married. Over Christmas, she told everyone she's pregnant. Her husband's face dropped and we could tell he was not happy about it. He walked outside. His mom went outside with him. Everyone was confused but quickly got excited for the first grandbaby. She started crying and went to the bathroom. I went to talk to her and asked her if she was okay because I know kids are not something they wanted. She just cried more and said she had worked so hard for a year to make this happen. He still isn't happy. I didn't know they were trying so I asked why he wasn't happy about the baby if they had been trying. She told me he didn't know I was doing it. I just wanted a baby and he didn't. So I went about it on my own. She told me she has taken ovulation tests each month and has been taking ovulation medication from her doctor to help. She also stopped birth control. I flipped out and asked what the hell was wrong with her to do that to her husband who was clear that he didn't want kids. She yelled that it was her body and her choice. Even more angry, I yelled that having a baby doesn't just affect you but your husband too. She told me that I wouldn't understand and slammed the bathroom door and locked it. I was extremely pissed off because I know how effed up this situation was becoming. I went to her husband and told him everything she had just told me. He yelled, you gotta be kidding me, and I told him I wish I was. He went to talk with her, which was just a lot of yelling. Then he left. Everyone is pissed at me for telling him. My family called me a piece of shit for not minding my business and kicked me out, and I went home. I live an hour away, thank God, but my phone wouldn't stop blowing up. I found out a few days ago that he is leaving her and left the divorce papers for her to sign. No one knows where he is. I now feel like I was the asshole for causing the heartbreak. My whole family hates me besides my dad and my husband. So, am I the astronaut? Oh, this is messed up. I mean, no, you did the right thing if they had allowed this to continue to be a secret and build and build and build and build and build. Eventually, he would find out no matter what, and it would have been a bigger blow up. And maybe that would have been three kids down the road and more children would have been affected and it would have been much messier. So one thought here is that you limited pain because you didn't allow it to continue. There's another train of thought here that says you should have minded your own business and let them deal with it themselves. I'm with you here because this wasn't right. It wasn't the right thing to do. And he obviously has his reasons for not wanting kids and she knows those. She just doesn't respect those. So if you see two people and one of them is doing doing something wrong to the other person without telling them and you care about them both, wouldn't you speak up? And it's not like this was just a, I don't think he wants kids thing. This was a, I do not want children before they got engaged, before they got married. He's communicated his desire to not have children several times and she agreed every time. And then she did this behind his back. So because she got busted, it's your fault. No, you're not the scapegoat for that. They don't get to project her screw ups onto you. That's stupid. 
Maybe comments will disagree with me here and think that you should have minded your own business, but I think if there's two people that you care about and you see a potential situation where this goes on and gets bigger and bigger and bigger and messier and messier and messier, intervening helps both of them. It's going to be tough for her to ever see that, but if this had gotten multiple children into the situation and then he found out, it would have been messier. Let me know what you think, though. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again, and I have yet another AITA... Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder again, and this time we have an AITA post from our Dusty Thunder subreddit. This one goes like this. Am I the ass cannot for distancing myself before a date? I, 32 female, recently met G, 35 male, on a dating app. We started talking five days ago and made plans to meet up tomorrow. We had two long phone conversations where I mostly enjoyed getting to know him. However, he kind of overwhelmed me with a lot of deeply personal things, things I wouldn't share in the first month or so of dating. I felt like he was pressuring me by saying he would change his career plans if that's what I wanted. It was almost like he was making major life decisions before we even met in person. And in the first week of talking, he told me several times that he deleted his profile, like he was looking for me to do the same, and I think it's way too soon to be discussing these things. He's also been divorced for about a year and still has photos of them together on SM. We had both agreed the first time we talked to take things slow. However, he told me he saved a lot of photos from my SM and likes to stare at pictures of me. He seems to be hyper-focusing on every little detail, asking about my glasses prescription and past hairstyles. So for the last two days, I've been kind of distancing myself and trying to slow things down. This morning, I woke up to a long text message asking me if I'm seeing someone else. Since we haven't met and have only been talking for five days, I don't consider us dating yet. And why do I even want to meet him if I can't be bothered to engage with him? I told him that we are going too fast, and I want to do things in the right order and at the right time. I also reminded him that we've been talking for less than a week and haven't yet met in person. I also said that building an attachment this soon from a distance can lead to unrealistic expectations. He agreed and thanked me for my honesty. Then he said, I'll be sure to do the same in the future, which I thought was very passive aggressive. I feel bad for hurting his feelings. Am I the ass cannot? Update. I blocked him on Facebook and called off the date. I said, I'm not going to make it tomorrow. I think you need more time before dating to work through your feelings and expectations. Then I blocked his number because I don't want him hounding me. I really didn't like the way he was acting, and you all made me realize just how unhealthy this was. Thanks for all the great advice. This is a little bit scary. I mean, being divorced for a year, a year may be enough time to get over that, who knows, but if he's still just re-entering the dating pool after this divorce, yeah, he's got to learn to take things slow. And revealing too much too quickly generally signals to other things happening too quickly as well and there being this kind of too much too quickly theme throughout the relationship which doesn't end anywhere healthy it is scary and i think he did the right thing calling it off and backpedaling a little bit and creating some distance the kind of questions that he was asking are really concerning glasses prescriptions and past hairstyles lots of red flags several times if you get a weird vibe at this point and just pre-meeting conversations yeah backpedal you had plenty to go on to know that this was going to be an uncomfortable situation if you did meet in person and if you did meet in person and you ended up not having a spark what then how uncomfortable would it be to try to distance yourself then so you did the right thing here hopefully this guy doesn't know about anything where you live or anything like that because just based on his communication making major life decisions before you 
you even met in person, wanting to know minute details about you. Obviously, it's been a long time since I've been in the dating game, but is this what y'all have to deal with now? That sucks. I think the same rules as before apply, though. It's if you hit it off with someone, you hit it off with someone. But you still have to be respectful and take things slow and really do like a quality check at every point in that process. And here, before you've even met, he's talking about changing his career path for you. And yeah, that's either he's just like a really great guy and he just gives himself away too fast. Like he just gives too much of himself away too quickly. And that's entirely possible. Or he's love bombing you or there are all kinds of other explanations, many of them not good. Even if he is just a super nice guy who's given too much too fast away, that still leads to complications in the relationship. So you did the right thing here. So glad I'm not in the dating world anymore because this sounds like a shit show. This sounds like a shit show. This sounds like a hell of a time. This sounds like a shit show. I'm glad it wasn't mine. Brought back the song again. Look at that. Okay, so commenters, is this what it's like now? Those of you who are in the dating world, is this the kind of crap you have to deal with now? Is it all app-driven? You have to have these pre-meeting conversations with people and you're like, oh my God, this guy's gonna love bomb me and oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm interested to hear your feedback though, but I'm sorry. Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder, and I have another follower-submitted AITA story for you. Am I the thunderhole for possibly getting one of my professors fired? To give some context, I am a doctorate student in my second year. Passing a lecture course at this level requires a grade of 80 or higher. Also, I am the only guy in my class. I took a course from Professor G, let us call her G, last semester. She is a terrific professor, although I had heard before enrolling in this course that she is difficult and occasionally overwhelming. She was fine for the first few weeks of the semester, nothing remarkable, but also not awful. In the third week of classes, the professor began to speak to me in a sexist manner, saying, All men are drunk and idiots who want to touch women improperly, even OP. I made the decision to ignore the comments and not deal with it. G's mother passed away about two or three weeks before our midterm. This was brought up in our class. G was absent while our program searched for a replacement, but the professor returned two days after her mother passed away. She claimed she was okay to teach and did not need a break. G's actions began to alter at this point. Later that week, my class took an exam. Everyone fared well, but her professor believed we cheated. She said, There is no way most of you correctly answered question four. No one should have, unless you cheated. She told us to get out a piece of paper and write down why we chose our answer to question four. I noted that I had made a guess, but I did not know the answer. After receiving my justification, she responded, Of course you would have guessed. I dismissed it because I was aware of her circumstances. A few days after the midterm, the entire class receives an email informing us that we all failed the midterm and are failing the course. To discuss how I can raise my grade, I made the decision to meet with her. I tell her now that it takes me four hours a day to finish the readings due to my dyslexia and ADHD. She urged, work harder. She also said, you don't belong in graduate school and should not pursue this career path since you are lazy. All of her statements were unacceptable, so I went to my school's HR department's office. I informed them of everything she stated and they promised to handle it. She made numerous rude remarks and treated my class horribly for the rest of the semester, but nothing that went too far. At the end of the semester, though, I noticed that my grades were beginning to change. Like assignments I submitted ahead of the midterm had a different grade. I should have received an 86 after the final, but I only received an 82.5 for my overall grade. One of my papers went from a 94 to an 86, and my participation grade decreased 
reduced from an 80 to a 60. My theory is that she intended to reduce my grade as much as possible. An 82.5 and an 86 in my program equal a B. Hence, according to my theory, she adjusted my grade to the lowest B possible so that it would not influence my GPA and I would still receive a B. It was the last day of semester and I simply wanted to be done with this, so I decided to not report this to HR. G, though, is still on her warpath this semester. The same offensive things she told my class are being said to other classes. I do not think this is right. So I told HR that she changed my grades and stated other awful things she said to me. They claimed that changing a student's grades without justification is a big no-no, particularly with all the other things I have recorded. The HR representative predicted that she would face disciplinary action, which could result in her termination. Most people believe that I should have reported her, while some argue that given her mother's loss, I should not have said anything. Some are even calling me an asshole. So, am I the thunderhole? Nay, nay, you are absolutely not the asshole here. You more so than anyone were the target of her ire. So you had more reason to speak up than anyone. Also, this is just not okay, period. It's not okay to be singled out. It's not okay to treat an entire class like that just because you're going through something in your life. There's also a power trip and power abuse element to this. The things that she is doing to people in her classes are life-altering. Those actions can affect someone's trajectory in life, their career path, and thus a whole lot of other things. Just because she's in a shitty mood or doesn't like someone, taking that out on people and harming their entire lives because she's in a bad mood or she's going through some shit is completely unacceptable. For an educator to use a position like this where they have the ability to influence and better so many people's lives by equipping them for the path that they're going to be on, to do the opposite and to abuse that power and squash people and belittle them and just use that position to take out her woes on someone else is completely out of line. And she should receive disciplinary action for that, and she should be terminated. If you abuse power, you don't get to keep that power. And look at it this way. You have a few people that are calling you an asshole for this. Those few people probably didn't receive as much of the focus as you did, so you have more reason than anyone to stand up and to say something. But also, think about the countless number of students that come in classes after you that would have gone through this except you spoke up and changed the trajectory of that for them so that hopefully a better educator gets put in that spot, does not abuse the power, does not belittle them, does not take out their life anger on their students and alter their path because they're just in a shitty mood. You've saved countless people here. So the few people that are calling you an asshole, who gives a shit what they say? Ultimately, who gives a shit? It doesn't matter. You know that you're doing the right thing. And I think you probably looked at this entire situation and said, I know this isn't right. I know particularly for me, I received a concentrated dose of this bullshit and I know that it's still going on to other people. So even if you're not going through it anymore, I think you were right to speak up. These kind of people shouldn't have this kind of power. You are, in my book, not the asshole. But let's see what the commenters say. I can't imagine anybody disagreeing with this. What she was doing, this instructor, G, is just unacceptable. So speaking up about it has to be acceptable, right? Tell me what you think. Think about the countless number number number. Hello there, I'm Dusty Thunder, and this is an AITA story that was submitted by a follower. 
Am I the thunderhole for feeling weird about the ring my partner may use in a potential future marriage proposal? My partner, D, male 47, and I, female 40, used to date in our 20s. It ended after five years as I asked D to move in with me so that I could save up money whilst taking the next step in our relationship. He said no as he wanted to live at his parents to save money himself, and we broke up soon after. We both moved on with our lives, and several years later, I met another man. We got married and eventually had two kids together. After 12 years, my marriage fell apart and we have since divorced. I finally felt that I was ready to move on and I went on a couple of dates but felt like something was missing, so I gave up and focused on my kids. One day, I found D on my Facebook, people you will know. He was listed as divorced and it was a new profile. I contacted him out of curiosity. He invited me to coffee the next day and we have been inseparable and loved up ever since. His life had also been turned upside down around the same time my marriage ended. His ex-wife had stolen all of his life savings for her drug habit over the three years they were married, over 400k. (laughs) That was all the money he saved up when he was staring with his parents. And he had to take her to court to make sure that he got his mother's engagement ring back. This bit is important. The plan is to move in together early next year. I'm waiting for my children to finish the school year so they aren't disrupted too much. He adores my children as he was never able to have his own and has really stepped up to the plate with them as their father is usually absent. There have been zero red flags and if anything comes up that might be, we have talked things through rather than being reactive. Things are going really well. And yet, here you are. Herein, though, lies where I might be the asshole. We were talking about jewelry one day and Dee asked what I would be doing with my old engagement and wedding ring. I said that I was planning to keep them safe until my boys got older. Dee mentioned that he got his mother's engagement ring back from his ex and that he wanted to eventually propose to me with it, as it was a very special heirloom to him and was a very beautiful and expensive ring. Whilst it made me happy he was thinking of eventually proposing, I did feel a little upset about the possibility of being proposed to with the same ring that a toxic and dangerous person wore for three years. I believe that objects can carry memories, and I physically flinched at the thought of it being mine after how horrible the end of their marriage was. Drugs, mental health, and suicide attempts on her part to keep him around. It was a complete mind F and toxic. He became a little upset at this, saying that it was because the ring had been his mother's. He said he wasn't being a cheapskate and that he would want to propose with her ring because she and his dad had 35 happy years together before she passed. He said that because she and I got along so well, she'd given him the ring to hold on to when we were together. And it was her wish that it was always meant to be mine. When we split up without hope of reconciliation, he'd put it away until he met his ex. This information blindsided me and I felt like an asshole as his mom was a lovely woman. Two close friends have said it's the thought that counts and another straight up called him a cheapskate and he should at least alter the ring to make it new. I don't agree completely with either and I know that he has very strong feelings for me but also about this piece of jewelry and what it means to him. I have just been mulling over this for a few weeks now since the discussion about it. So am I the asshole for feeling funny about potentially receiving the ring in a marriage proposal when he's already used it? I don't want him to propose, then regret it if he sees me wearing the ring she used to, and I'm afraid of the transference of negative vibes, if that makes sense. He's the sweetest man. Both myself and my children love him dearly. Help. Crying face. Okay. I mean, I I get it. I don't know if objects can carry memories or carry vibes or carry experiences with them, but I get this. And I think one of your friends had a good idea about altering the ring. If he is that dead set on using this ring, I think you could either use the stones from that ring in a new setting, potentially even completely remake that ring so that it is a new item. The stones would still be there, of course. Or if you feel strongly enough about it, you've got to speak up and explain why you feel the way that you 
feel. It doesn't sound like you've explained that completely yet. It doesn't sound like you've told him what you've told us here and said that you believe this item could carry experiences with it. It's almost like a haunted ring. Not because of his mother, but because of his ex. There's enough batshit crazy going on with his ex that that's understandable. You don't want anything to come from that. So he should be willing to do something with it. And I think you just have to be very, very, very clear about why you feel the way that you feel. If you explain your feelings to him in detail, there's a really good chance that he'll understand and he'll do something about it. Maybe he won't get rid of it. Maybe he'll just buy a new ring. Maybe he'll offer to alter it or to put stones in a new setting. So figure out what you're okay with. I don't know what all you have told him at this point, but I feel like it's important for you to explain how you feel. And we've said this before, you can't be an asshole for feeling something. It's what you do with that feeling. And I think for your significant other, as long as you explain how you're feeling and why you're feeling the way that you feel and go ahead and decide ahead of time what options you would feel better about, you at least give him the opportunity to fix it. Right now, he may not feel like he has any paths to fixing anything. So give him one. And then at least he has some options. I don't know that he feels like he has options right now, except for buying a new ring. So communicate. That's pretty much it. Of course, commenters may have a completely different idea here. So let me know what you think. This is a touchy situation, but I really feel like if he is the stand-up guy that you think he is, he's going to respect your feelings. So just make sure you explain them thoroughly. And what you have written out here was probably a good exercise in preparing that to communicate to him. So let him know what you think this ring will be doing or bringing with it, the baggage that comes along with it, and make sure that he knows it's not because of his mom, it's because of his batshit crazy cracked out ex. Let him know, give him a chance to fix things, and if you can decide what you would be okay with and provide him with turnkey solutions, that's, in my opinion, always best. Good luck to you. Am I the thunderhole for feeling weird about the ring my partner may use in a potential fewer... His life had also... D asked what I would be doing with my old engagement ring. Whilst it made me happy, he was thinking of eventually being proposing... Hey there, it's Dusty Thunder, and I have another Reddit AITA story for you. Am I the Thunderhole for giving my stay-at-home mom wife a written performance review with suggested areas needing improvement? That sounds dangerous-some. I, 33 male, share one child, 6 female, with my wife, 36 female. She has another daughter, 13 female, that lives with us full-time. We also have custody of our niece, 15 female. The teens are each other's best friends. They share a large bedroom, which was done at their request. The dynamic here is pretty much mom and youngest against the teens, with me being the referee between everyone. Oh, lovely. My wife has taught the youngest she can blame others for her actions to avoid consequences. She just says the word, one of the teens will get punished without question. There's no doubt she's my wife's favorite. I love her, but she's becoming nothing more than an entitled brat. As just a mere example, my wife and I had an appointment we both needed to attend. When we came back, it was apparent the pool had been used. They're not allowed to swim while we aren't home. As the youngest divulged, Mommy, I was in my room coloring. I never went swimming. The teens said that was not true. She had gone swimming as well. Only the teens were punished. My wife refused to give the youngest any type of consequence. I later found her wet swimming suit hidden in the garage. My 
wife and I argued. I felt strongly she needed to not only be punished for swimming, but also for lying. After a relentless disagreement, I was silenced as she gave the youngest a very minimal consequence. The lying, blaming, and favoritism ultimately caused the teens to act out, understandably. Most of their consequences are done by giving more chores, specifically the chores the six-year-old has. Or as recent, they were removed from music lessons as a consequence. I believe they're so frustrated they don't even care when they verbally attack their mother after her unfair treatment towards them. After all, they already got blamed and punished for things they don't even do. From my perspective, lashing out gives them a relief. We've had countless tiring arguments. She'd either not see her faults or we'd agree to do this and that, but it never actually got done. I decided to write her a performance review as a stay-at-home mom. Her areas in need of improvement, well, it was a lot, but I touched on how she needs to listen better, stop being biased, be fair in all her decisions, stop making rash decisions without taking all three kids into consideration. I recommended her to give each child the same amount of one-on-one -on -one alone time to speak or just be with one another. So it wouldn't entirely be a slap to her face, I gave her accolades on her strong points for other areas aside from parenting. I guess I felt this would work best because I could organize my thoughts on paper without her interjecting. However, it quickly backfired in my face. Oh, this is shocking. I can't imagine that happening. She was quiet the first hour after I handed it to her. Oh, you just handed it to her? You didn't even like sit down and go over it? Okay. Typically in a performance review, it would be something that you would be going over together. So interesting. She was quiet the first hour after I handed it to her. Then she completely exploded on me. Said if we're going to do this type of shit, she'll get a private bank account and take half my paycheck every week. She further said the review was abusive and a manipulative sexist move. Am I the thunderhole? This is an E. S-H. Everyone sucks here, man. I don't think anybody's handling anything well. Seems like there's a lot of solution paths in play here, you know what I mean? Nope. Nope, me neither. A note. Giving your significant other a performance review is probably the swiftest way to get kicked in the balls. Or the whatever you have. Bad idea. Maybe if you have that thought, nope, just don't do it. I was gonna say, run those kind of ideas past other people before you do them. Because if it seems like a gamble, it probably is. I think everyone on this planet could have told you that plan was gonna backfire and it was a bad idea. But you went ahead and did it anyway. Yes, there are obvious issues here with how she sees the six-year-old as the goal golden child who can do no wrong, and the six-year-old is already abusing this power by framing the teens, who in turn get punished by getting her chores. So why wouldn't she frame them? She's got this beautiful ecosystem here that just rewards her for being malicious. That's a broken system. But the biggest problem that I see here is that you are approaching your wife in a, here's what you're doing wrong. And sandwiching it with, here's what you're doing well, still doesn't work. You're supposed to be a team. And if you want to improve upon something at home as a team, the conversation needs to be something like, I feel like we need to do a better job of X, or I feel like we really need to get a handle on this. What can we do to address this? I'm feeling like, this is happening, what can we do or what can I do to help remedy that situation? See where I'm going with this. You, instead of presenting yourself as a team player, came in like you were a coach. And I don't think anybody in a relationship wants to be coached by their partner. I think they want to be supported by their partner. I think if you had taken a, if you came in with some kind of solution in hand ready, that would have gone much better. But instead, you're just like, uh, I think you're doing well in these areas, but you really suck at this, brozo. You silly Silly, silly, prozo. Yes, you're on the ASCON scale. Let's figure out where you are.
For those of you who aren't familiar, the ASCON scale here is our levels of assholery. So ASCON 1 is the worst, ASCON 4 is the least amount of asshole. ASCON 1 is there's no way you should have done that, you're a terrible human being. ASCON 2 is you definitely shouldn't have done that, but it doesn't make you a terrible person. ASCON 3 is you probably should have approached that differently, and ASCON 4 is you probably could have approached that differently. Maybe you're an asshole, maybe you're not. And I think you, sir, are in this territory. I think you're an Ascon too, because you definitely should not have done that, but I don't think that it makes you a terrible person. I think you thought you were doing the right thing. It was just a brozo move. Now, again, everybody sucks in this story, and you thought you were trying to help. Seems like you're the only one trying to help right now, so either everyone else is at an Ascon too right along with you, or worse. So, it kind of feels like everybody's stuck on Ascon too. I don't think you're terrible people. I don't know, your six-year-old kind of sounds like she's heading in a demonic direction, but she's been taught to manipulate, so. You know, that's kind of your guys' fault. So everyone's an ASCON too in my book here. But let me know what you guys think. This is an interesting one. This one is a Reddit story, but it was reposted over on the Dusty Thunder subreddit, which you definitely should go join in on. There's lots of fun there, and there's going to be more fun there every day. So go check it out. Let me know what you think about this story. I'm thinking OP, who is the dad, is ASCON too. I think the mom's at least an ASCON too as well. I think the six-year-old, if a six-year-old can be on the ASCON's scale she's there the teens although they are understandably frustrated have just reached the effort point so they've placed themselves on the ascon scale because they're so frustrated they're just saying effort to everything and diving into battle so everyone it's a whole family of sucks what do you think sorry man i'm struggling right now me 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 why is talking so hard tonight man it's like i left my brain at home and i just drove here with just my mouth and my eyeballs. And there's nothing to process anything in between them. I'm sorry. Let's figure out where you live on the ASCON scale. Hey, Dusty Thunder here, and I wanted to thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed that content. And if you did, please make sure to like, subscribe, and most importantly, share. Also, you can find swag and so much more at dusty-thunder.com and you'll find even more content on all of our platforms. We're on TikTok, YouTube. We now have an official Facebook page that we'll be posting stories to as well. We have podcasts on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and so much more. You can see all of our content platforms on Linktree, which is linked in my bio. Engage with us wherever you're enjoying content and do your best to avoid the Askonauts today. Thanks again.